What's going on, everybody, and welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. As tonight, we're talking about some unfortunate conversation pieces, uh, to be quite honest with you, when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, first of all, I guess I'll start here. They lose 10-3 today. Uh, they were able to get a field goal against that tough Cincinnati Bengals uh, defense, but that's all the Cardinals could muster. 10-3, the loss tonight for the Cardinals, and the pitching is a problem. The pitching is a problem. The pitching is a problem. And the starting pitching in particular is where the problems begin for the Cardinals. It's not where they end, um, but the the ending point of these problems is what happens in the bullpen, which is created by the strain that the starting rotation woes are putting on this team. And today, well, it was strain. It was stress, and it was Steven Matz once again struggling. And now I, I, I say once again, even though you look at some of the recent outings by Steven Matz and he had been a little better, uh, had had kind of toned things down, settled things down a little bit. But at the end of the day, what the Cardinals were getting from Steven Matz today is damaging. And I know that it's like, well, he had three decent starts where he kept it below three earned runs. Uh, maybe he wasn't getting very deep into games, but, you know, he was at least keeping it competitive. I, yeah, I guess that's true. But this is damaging, what happened today. And I don't know how much longer the Cardinals can afford to just keep running out Steven Matz. Today it was a deal where... The radio broadcast picked up on it. The TV broadcast picked up on it. Steven Matz was evidently tipping uh, his changeup today, which is something that I what more could what more could happen to the Cardinals and to this team, right? Like um, tipping your pitches is something that I feel like we've gone through with Steven Matz earlier this season when it came to the the curveball was something he wasn't comfortable and confident with, and so I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, if, if that maybe has been resolved, but now it was the changeup that Rick Horton, former MLB pitcher, and then on the TV side, Brad Thompson, both of them said, yeah, I'm picking up on what he's doing with the changeup and something in his delivery here. And, uh, you know, if I can pick up on it, Rick Horton said the, the hitters certainly can pick up on it. And so that's a really difficult spot, uh, to be in if you're Steven Matz and, uh, the, the box score showed that with the way he performed tonight, I've got it on the screen, as you can see here on the stream. Four innings, 11 hits allowed by Steven Matz. Six earned runs, a couple of walks, two strikeouts, gave up one home run. Uh, the home run was uh, <laughs> the Oscar Mercado uh, situation that happened there in right field. was not a great day for our guy, Oscar, who struggled defensively a bit out there in right. But that was not the reason that Matthew Libertor struggled today. It was uh, just pitches in the strike zone, like he threw a lot of strikes. 61 strikes, I believe, on 90 pitches. But just because you can throw strikes does not mean that you're going to be effective. And at times this year, we've seen Steven Matz throw non-competitive pitches. Ali Marmel talked about this in his postgame. He'd throw these non-competitive pitches that would get his pitch count up, and then he'd only be able to get through four or five innings as a result. And that's not what you want. Now, today, it was almost the moral opposite. It was like, I have to throw every pitch in the strike zone, and it doesn't matter where. Leaving pitches up, leaving pitches to get hammered uh, consistently, that seemed to be what, what was happening to Steven Matz tonight. And uh, the Cardinals paid for it as they lose 10-3. to Now, the offense didn't do much uh, against Ben Lively, the pitcher for the Reds. Uh, the cat, Jim Hayes, asked uh, Ali a question after the game about what his interpretation of uh, Lively was tonight. And he said, oh, he did his job, and then said nothing else, which kind of says to me, yeah, Ali knew and we all knew. They probably should have hit this guy a little better than they did. Um, but unfortunately, that is, uh, that is not what happened. It doesn't really matter, though. They wouldn't have won this game, I don't think, with the way the pitching lined it up. And so uh, Bird calls with the first comment that I see here that mentions Libertor pitching Friday. That's what they say today. Yeah, for a minute there, uh, John Denton had tweeted out that Ollie and Dusty Blake were going to talk about it and talk about whether they could get through 
the upcoming games without using Libertor as a reliever. And it made me ponder just how many times can they go back and forth in a given uh, week about what the future, the near future of Matthew Libertor is going to be because they called him up to be part of a six-man rotation. That is what they said they were going to do. They gave him one start. He was fantastic. Didn't get very deep into the game, but five innings of scoreless baseball is about all you could ask for right now uh, from a guy coming up and, and, and giving that, that opportunity to, to help the Cardinals win a game. And, and Libby does get that win. Then they use him over the weekend in relief, but they insist that, no, that's just because with the six-man rotation, we've got to have some help to cover the bullpen because we, we have one fewer reliever. And that makes sense. But by the way, all of this was predictable. The Cardinals know the rules of Major League Baseball, and they know that 13 pitchers is the most you can have. And so when they make a decision to call up a six starter, all of these aspects are in play. And, it, and it's not like a surprise to them that this would happen. So that's why it's crazy that when they say, well, he's going to be a starter, all right, we might have to use him out of the bullpen, but it's fine. It's just going to be on his side session day. This is like his between start throw day anyway. And so he might as well get some of that work in in a real game setting because honestly, we could use him. Don't waste those pitches. And it's like, okay, I, I don't like it. Wasn't a fan of it, but I can at least understand why the Cardinals feel that they're in the position uh, that they have to do that with Matthew Libertor. But then you get into this week and they're talking about, well, we might have to use him out of the bullpen again which would mean he wouldn't be able to start over the weekend in, in Cleveland. And that was the way it was discussed going into yesterday's game. Unfortunately, they didn't have to use him. I think it helped that you had uh, Gallegos and Helsley available despite having thrown the day before. It was nice that the Cardinals were able to use those guys yesterday and get at least one win in Cincinnati because right now through three games, one win is all they've got. But uh, they were able to stay away from Libby yesterday. And today, I thought, guys, they were going to use him. When I saw four runs allowed by Mats in the first inning, I said, this guy's throwing 100 pitches tonight regardless of how many innings he gets through. And I thought, well, shoot, he might get through 100 pitches and still only be out of the fourth, and they might have no choice but to go to him. Chris Stratton stepped up. You know, they needed innings tonight. And it was a situation where, you know, Stratton was just utilized and so maybe not as sharp as he otherwise could have been and got knocked around there a little bit. We've got the pitching box score for the Cardinals tonight there on your screen. Inning in two-thirds, two runs allowed, four hits by uh, by Stratton, who had uh, an ERA lower than four prior to tonight. Now it's above four. Um, but then Henesis Cabrera comes in, and he just had to give you the rest of the game, basically. Two and a third, uh, gave up a couple of runs, got knocked a lot, around a little bit. There's no real excuse for that, given that he was well-rested and everything. But it just they, they had to they had to do it. They don't have the other arms in the bullpen. They've only got seven relievers, and they don't really have a quintessential long man. And so you get what you get with uh, the situation the Cardinals find themselves in right now. And that's that's what it was tonight, which led to the after game conversation about well maybe they got to talk about maybe they'll have to use Libertor in relief uh, tomorrow. Doesn't end up being the case based on the latest update I saw from John Denton of MLB.com. They're going to start Matthew Libertor on Friday. Seems to be the latest plan, although I'm doing this and, and people could still be tweeting and reporting, and so maybe that changes. But uh, that comment there from Bird Calls that gets us started, that's what I believe is the case, that they're going to use Matthew Libertor as a starter on Friday, which could. They should use him as a starter, and maybe not just Friday. Coming into the start for Steven Matz today, guys, I thought, would the Cardinals view it if Steven Matz were to struggle as this is a big audition for Libby when he pitches over the weekend. Could that be the case? Or is it just the contract and all of the reasons that they've named previously this year as to why they're not going to, you know, 
They're going to be reluctant to take Steven Matz out of a starting role. Is all of that still going to be true? And Libby, just no matter what he does this weekend, is destined to return back to Memphis or a bullpen role or whatever they decide to do, even if he's great. That's kind of the way I wondered about this Matz start coming in. But when that first inning happened, I said, all bets are off. If, if, if Steven Matz has the game that he's having right now, and he ultimately did, he got worse, gave up six total runs. It wasn't like some of those other games where he gives up four in the first and then says, well, I, I mean, he settled down for five innings, so now you got to keep him in the rotation, right? No. I mean, he continued to give up hits and give up contact and give up runs as the outing went along. And so I don't think there's any redeemable qualities about this start. He got hit around. It is what it is. Don't look for the silver lining. Don't look for the, well, it wasn't as bad as it seemed. This was bad. And it was the worst possible time that it could have been as well. Because when you have a four-inning start by your your starting pitcher in a week that you're committing to try to use a six-man rotation, which means now you have fewer, right? You have fewer bullpen arms available to you. And those guys are having to go deep on other days because your starter goes five and two-thirds or four and two-thirds. or what? I mean, not since Michaelis have they got a legit start from somebody, uh, I think seven innings over the weekend. They just don't have the arms in the bullpen like the counting stats, they don't have the physical number of guys if they're going to try and hold back Libertor, which we all think that they should because he deserved another start with the way that he pitched. And that's why you start muddying the waters and you blur these lines and say, well, we're going to use him as a reliever. Well, maybe we could do it again. Like, I get why Ollie Marmel has to feel like he's doing that. But at the same time, it's an absolutely terrible plan to to kind of jack Matthew Libertor around this way when they should just have him be one of their five starters. And if he goes out on Friday and he pitches a, even a semi-competent game, like it, the threshold's not high for me right now to say if the Cardinals give Matts another start, they're making a mistake. I think they need to move him to the bullpen, allow him to work on some of the things that he has struggled with. It seems like he's tipped every pitch in his arsenal at this point uh, at various times of the season, and they just cannot afford it anymore. They're not in a position of luxury where you can say, we can keep going every five days with a guy that we don't really know what we're going to get. Um, I, I do want to give Matt's credit for the, the better games that he pitched recently. He had had some better starts. There's no doubt about that. But, like, those versions of better for him were five and two-thirds, I think is the most that he got. Five and two-thirds and, and a run. Five and two-thirds and three runs. Four and two-thirds and, and one unearned run. Okay, like, you're keeping your team in those games. I'm not going to dispute that. But if that is the ceiling, and that is basically the ceiling that we have seen from Steven Matz. I don't think he's gone six innings and one start all year. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. But if that is your ceiling, if you're the St. Louis Cardinals and we are chasing that ceiling from this guy in our rotation, and then the downside, the potential downside that seems to crop up every three or four outings for him, which is just like pouring napalm all over a baseball series for your for your team, which is essentially what these mat starts are doing when you give up four in the first and you give up six total and you don't even get through five innings. All of these things are problems. It's a problem for the offense because they go, well, shit, we're down and we're not going to be able to score enough to come back today. Although in this ballpark, you should believe that you can do that. And there's no excuses to not hit Ben Lively. No offense to Lively, but they, you know, he, it's not like he was so lively that you shouldn't have been able to hit him, right? Like the Cardinals, I'm surprised they only scored three runs today, but I'm telling you, it coincides with another outing in which you have one inning. At least this wasn't at home. The last time Matt's did it, it was a home game when he gave up four in the first inning. And it's a no wonder that the offense didn't end up scoring in that game because you're you're down for the count before you even get into it. That's the vibe that I got from the team today with what happened offensively. You got the home runs. Uh, Brendan Donovan hits one. Lars Newpar hits one. It's about all you end up getting from an offensive perspective. And it's hard to get guys one through nine to buy in 
when you say, hey, boys, sorry about this, but I'm going to spot the other guys four runs today. It's just it's not sustainable. And so that's the offensive side of it. The pitching side of it is what it's done to the bullpen. In a time where you've got seven relievers instead of eight, unless you're going to continue to use Libertor as a hybrid and say, well, screw his development, it doesn't matter. And it's like the, the guys running the Cardinals do know more about this stuff than me. But if you look at the track record of this team recently and the development of of young pitching talent and, and the ability to take the guy from prospect to major league pitcher to rotation staple, it hasn't been good. And so I feel like in an, in an era of Cardinal baseball where that is happening in the background, to not look around and think what they're doing with Libertor this week, even just in the messaging. Again, the messaging has been really bad all across the board this season by the Cardinals from Marmel, from Moselak. It doesn't matter who the who the, the person with the speakerphone is, it, the team is is not really staying consistent with the way they are messaging these things. And I, like I said, I don't know whose specific fault it is. I believe that Ollie is a good communicator, but I think the plans that they're putting together behind the scenes, you can poke holes in these plans, clearly. If one day they're saying, yes, this week he is definitely going to start, like Libertor is going to be in the rotation for sure. And then a day later they're saying, well, now we really don't know because something unanticipated happened. Our bullpen's a little more crunched than we thought they'd be. And then a day later, they say, no, he's going to start. And then after that game, they say, well, maybe not. No, actually, he is. I mean, I, I wasn't exaggerating. That is the way the news cycle has gone that I just played out. That's the way it's gone this week for the Cardinals. And so even if they haven't actually used him in relief other than the day that it was his side day and he was going to throw a bullpen anyway, like, that's fine. I think it's weird. You don't see teams doing that all the time. But if that's the extent of it, that's one thing. But it's like they've talked about it a lot of different ways, and the messaging on that is pretty wild. You don't want to get into a situation where you're you're jacking around this player who could be your future. Like, Matthew Libertor should be in this rotation next year. The Cardinals should be cognizant of that and, and try to make sure that, yes, you want to win games right now, but is there a point at which they look at this and go, Man, we're in pretty deep right now with this six-man starter thing. Why did we do this in the first place? Like, it just seems like it's a snowball snowball rolling down the hill, and they don't exactly have much of an ability to anticipate what might happen the next day. I could have told you that Steven Matz might not go very deep into a game. I could have told you that Adam Wainwright might not be able to give you six at Great American Ballpark. Like, all of these things were predictable because it's the way these guys have performed all season long. And so it's not a surprise that your rotation doesn't go very deep and you say the way to fix that is a six-man rotation. And at first it was like, all right, they have 19 games in 19 days, and it makes sense that they're going to uh, want to give a little bit of extra breathing room to their guys in the rotation. Maybe that makes them more effective down the road. But then you think about it and go, well, what does it do to the bullpen that's already been strained? And the strain has gotten so much worse this uh, this week, and today was probably the worst example of it all year, where, yes, you only use two guys, but it's because you couldn't use Gallegos and Helsley. It wasn't an option at all. Now you've got it set up to probably need Jordan Hicks for multiple innings tomorrow. Um, it's a it's a bad situation that they're in, and it was predictable. It was predictable to kind of have it go this way that the bullpen was going to be strained if you took one reliever away from it. Um, but they, they've gone the way that they've gone, and now they're kind of in the pickle that they're in. Um, the way out of it is more innings from the rotation. And I'm not saying Matthew Libertor, by the way, is automatically going to be that answer. And I will get to your guys' comments here in a minute. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel so that you are able to comment, and uh, we will get all your guys' thoughts. But I, I feel like this was the obvious topic of the day, and so I wanted to get out in front of it, and then I'll kind of dive into the comments. Um, but when I look at the way it's gone, Libertor is not automatically going to be just the answer to this rotation. 
But unless you give them the chance to find out, you're going to be in this purgatory of five starters who maybe somebody's going to give you six, but everybody else is probably that week going to give you less. And then by August, your bullpen is completely spent. Like you want to worry about effectiveness from the bullpen. When guys are getting shelled in July and August out of the relief core, I'm going to have to be like, all right, it's unfair to put this all on the individuals that are getting shelled out of the bullpen because we saw it coming. We saw it coming with the number of games that they'd have to pitch, the number of innings that they'd be required to go within those games. They are being set up to fail if this continues from the rotation. And for a little while, we kind of could gloss over it. We still discussed it. Absolutely, we mentioned it. I mentioned it yesterday. I, I said Wainwright didn't give him what they needed because he didn't get deep enough. And we're continuing to discuss these things even when they win. But when they lose, it does feel a lot more dire because you're burning these relief pitchers and these starting pitchers are, are falling short in games where you're still losing ground in the standings. And that's what's scary for a team that cannot afford to lose a bunch of ground in the standings after what they've just made up. So that's kind of my instant thoughts on the Libertor Mats situation. Um, I, I You can't. You can't put Mats back out there if Libertor... Like, and here's the part of it. Like I said, Libertor may not be the answer. He could go out Friday and go four and a third and give up three runs. And then you go, well, wow, <laughs> like we're boned. That could happen, Cardinals fans. But if it doesn't, and if Libertor goes out and he's the bulldog that he wants to be and he goes out on the mound and he shoves, there is not a world in which you can you can take him out of the rotation. Steven Matz goes to the bullpen. There's no discussion necessary. That's what has to happen. I don't know if if Matthew Libertor is going to give them that game, but it is sure going to be interesting to see whether he can. Um, but I just don't think every third, like, again, the upside of Matt's is five and two thirds, one run. That's the best he's done. If that's the case, and the downside is that every four times he pitches, you are going to be fundamentally out of a game with no chance to win it by the end of the first inning, the, the upside is not worth it. You're chasing a unicorn at this point, uh, and it's just not worth it. So you need to you need to veer off course and change. You need to make a change. Um, no, they don't need to DFA Steven Matz, as Asher said. That's $22 million for the, the following two seasons and still another six or seven left on this season. You're already paying him. Put the guy in the bullpen and see if he can, can figure some things out to where maybe you salvage him for the 2024 rotation. Or maybe it's just a sunk cost, but you put him to the bullpen before you find that out. You don't just cut him loose. Um, I don't think, though, that the notion of, well, he's tipping his changeup. We can fix that is a thing anymore. If he's tipping a different pitch every third start, I mean, eventually you have to go, maybe that's a sign that we should just put this guy in the bullpen for a little bit and let him figure it out there because they cannot afford to keep having these kinds of outings. And they did today. So going to take a quick drink and then we'll get right into your guys' comments. Once again, subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube page. And if you do so within 60 seconds, you can join the live chat here on the side. Thank you guys for being here tonight. I really do appreciate it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's rock and roll with these comments now. Um, Einstein says this loss significantly impact the Cardinals' chances of winning three or four against the Reds. Um, I would say this loss is is taking them out of the running completely, Grave of Einstein. Um, I don't get too bold too often on this show, 
but I'm going to say it now. Cardinals will not win three or four against the Reds in this series. You heard that here first. That's why you guys watch this stream. You know it. Andrew says, when does Mo take accountability for the awful rotation? Uh, get Stinky Steve out of here. Listen, I don't want to go too much with the Steven Matz hate on the nicknames and stuff like that. Uh, because here's the thing. Steven Matz is a good dude, good person, and trying to pitch well. He is not pitching well. But that doesn't mean I'm going to dig too far into the you know that kind of narrative where I'm going to going to make it personal against Steven Matz. He wants more than anything to be able to contribute to this team. But the Cardinals at a certain point have to say, he's not doing it, and we've got to adjust your role as a result. And if they have an answer in Libertor that could take the spot, and then you do have a long man in the bullpen because Steven Matz could be that kind of long relief guy and maybe works his way into finding himself because he wasn't always a bad pitcher. Steven Matz has had good MLB seasons as a starter. This is not one of them, and so they've got to – they're too too far into the season. I told you guys, hey, by mid-May, I'd start to be willing to have some different conversations about this team. Um, and it's past mid-May. They had a really nice run, but they're not there yet. They're not where they need to be if they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to salvage this whole thing. And so now that we're in late May, it's time for the Cardinals to take stock of things and say, listen, if every four outings we're going to get this from Mats and it's just a guaranteed L when we get that, and then the other three outings are going to be fine, they're going to be ranging from passable to eh, pretty decent. Where's the upside in keeping him in the rotation? If you know almost with a given guarantee that once a month you're going to get a start from him that's going to absolutely put your team behind the eight ball. I do believe it's time to make a change, but I also believe that change is not going to come if Matthew Libertor struggles on Friday. It ends up being a very pivotal start for the young kid because he can earn this rotation spot, and I just don't know how. I mean, they've they've done some things with some bad optics before, but I don't know how you how you can live through the optics of Libertor shoving on Friday and then you go back to Mats and then send Libertor to Memphis or leave him in relief. There's absolutely no way you can do that, um, which is maybe why they were a little hesitant to give Libertor the start. I, I, I'm not buying into that sort of conspiracy theory because the Cardinals want to win. Ali Marmel wants to win, and John Mozeliak wants to win as well. And if they believe having Libertor start will be the best thing, then that's what they'll do. But I think they they lose the forest for the trees a little bit it's beyond the point where you can afford to say, well, what's the contract of the guy that he might be replacing? No, tonight was rough. Tonight was problematic, and I get that it came in a ballpark that is conducive to those types of games for starting pitchers, but enough has got to be enough at some point. That's why I named this stream, when will enough be enough for Mats and the Cardinals rotation? To me, this was the game that, as long as Libertor looks functional, you make that move. You, you, you go back to a five-man rotation because this six-man rotation thing doesn't work. It doesn't. I mean, it's why that the Cardinals for years and years and years avoided it. Every time the question came up, they avoided it. They said, no, it's not something that'll fit for us. The reason it might have kind of worked this year is because you don't have an ace that you go, well, we need that guy going every fifth day. And if he's pushed back by a day, it just doesn't work. They don't have an ace. They don't have a number two. They've got a couple number threes maybe and guys that are straining to be number fours or number fives at this point. That can change, but they have to do it with their performance on the field. And so far, it just has not happened consistently. The one starter that I feel confident in, in saying he is still trending up is is uh, Miles Michaelis. But even Jack Flaherty has been kind of hot and cold. Wainwright has not figured it out yet. We we are talking about Steven Matson and his situation tonight. And Jordan Montgomery is actually kind of on the downturn, has not been as efficient recently as he needs to be either. And so that's the situation that the Cardinals are in. It was somewhat predictable. I know a lot of you said in the offseason – Get some pitching help. And the reason they didn't, in my honest opinion, is back to the word that John Mozeliak has, has thrown out there from time to time. 
it would have been too complicated because they would have been able to look at these five guys that they are literally paying multi-million dollar contracts to for the 2023 season and say, which of these do we pull before giving him a shot in spring training to show what he can do? Because if they were going to go out and do something, that would have been your situation. They did it to Dakota Hudson, but that was because he, he struggled so much last year that you could kind of see the writing on the wall there. He was a long shot to make this rotation, and then in spring did nothing to earn his spot back. Everybody else, though, was kind of an incumbent that you weren't just going to go sign Carlos Rodon or sign one of these other pitchers and say, yep, they're in the spot now. You're bumped to the bullpen or wherever you're bumped to. Now, they could have made a trade. They could have gotten very creative, and there were calls to do that. Jack Flaherty, if he had trade value, Jordan Montgomery on a one-year deal. Like, I get it that those guys were supposed to be two of your better starters, but you also could have said, if I don't want to bet on these guys, I could trade them away for younger talent and sign somebody or do a separate trade of a, of a hitter or two, of a prospect or two, and figure out a way uh, to change this rotation up. John Mozeliak said, we don't feel that we need to do that right now. Candidly, we weren't very involved in those markets. That might be a strategic mistake, but our hope is that we will have enough. I'm quoting John Mozeliak. That's what he said in January, and we're finding it out. It was a strategic mistake. They, At this point, I just think there's been enough season to say, yes, it was a strategic mistake the way they approached the starting pitching. Um, it was kind of a you know paralysis by overanalysis, and, and, and the fear of making a false move and getting it wrong put the Cardinals in a spot where what they had wasn't enough. They had maybe a case of some of the right guys, some of the wrong guys, but you're paying all of them and you just have to kind of hope it works out, cross your eyes and cross your fingers and, and kind of shield your eyes and say, maybe it'll work out. To this point, it has not. And it's not all on Steven Matz. Every single pitcher in this rotation has underperformed, all five of them. And that is a very difficult thing for even the most talented teams to overcome. The starting rotation is the anchor dragging this Cardinals team into the bottom half of the NL Central. Right now, a share of last place. I think their percentage points ahead of the Reds, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot, folks. Um, Corn wants Steve to go. It, it, it is looking like a bad contract for sure. Um, Andrew says, seriously, we've seen the rotation as a problem for years. Mo and DeWitt do nothing. Uh, he wants Steven Matz out of the rotation. Nate says, if Matz makes another start, we may as well start waving the white flag. You can't do it. And I, I saw people say, oh, man, with the fact that he's tipping his changeup, now they're going to say, well, we can fix that, and so we'll start him again. Enough. Enough has to be enough at a certain point, and it's not personal. It's not like Steven Matz is trying to, to pitch poorly. He just has not gotten it done consistently enough to avoid straining the rest of the team in the way that he and the entire rotation has. And I feel bad a little bit that Matz is kind of the fall guy for it because Wayno's got a higher ERA than Steven Matz. Um, for the longest time, Michaelis had a higher ERA uh, than what Steven Matz has right now. Jordan Montgomery is at four and a half with his ERA, and Jack Flaherty is still much higher than you'd expect with his career norms. All of those things are true, and Steven Matz is not the only guy underperforming in this rotation. But I think he's the one that you can most easily uh, find room and, and reason to say, hey, we're going to have to shift your role right now. We want you as part of this team because you have to. I know Cardinals fans just want blood and they want a, a head on a spike and they don't really care about the interpersonal aspect of this. But they signed Steven Matz to a long-term contract. Um, they could just eat that money. You know, the sunk cost fallacy is real. But I think at a certain point, you have to at least graduate to that. And for that, for me, it's going to the bullpen and trying to work things out in that way for Steven Matz. That's where it needs to start, but I think it does need to start soon. Um, it's not 
you can't sit there and go, well, is this too rash of a decision? Are we, you know, are we pulling the plug on something too quickly? No, I think if you've had a feel for the way this season is gone, and I'll kind of give you an eye on what the Cardinals offensively did. I, I spent a lot of time on the stream looking at uh, the box score for the pitchers. Now we'll, we'll shift over to the hitters for a little bit, give you all something else to look at. But it it is what it is at this point. Like we have seen Steven Matz, we have seen him tip some pitches or have some issues and then come out of it, right, and then be able to, to put it together a little bit. What's the upside, Ben? If you've gotten that seven-inning shutout start from Steven Matz, maybe it's a different situation where you go, Actually, we know that he can get back to that, and so we're really eager to try and let him. But if you if you haven't seen that, where's the proof that it's even possible that he can be that good within the zone, miss enough bats to get deep enough into a game while not allowing runs? I don't think it's. I just don't have confidence that it's possible right now with Steven Matz in the, in the current iteration of him. And so moving to the bullpen to try to to tinker with things a little bit to me is the answer. If Libertor can be your answer, if he can't be. And again, Cardinals fans, I am gung-ho give Matthew Libertor the opportunity because he's earned it. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a point if he struggles that suddenly it's like, well, crap. Now it's the go get a Jose Quintana, go get a Jay Happ, go get somebody. But it'll be for a team that's six, seven, eight games below 500 and out of the division. And those kinds of teams don't trade for starting pitching at the deadline. Like it's They've got to eventually make up this gap, and they've done a nice job over the last few weeks of getting – getting the gap closed. But if it opens up a little bit again because of the struggles of this rotation, that's going to be bad news. You could talk about making trades, but it's it, there does come a point where they do run out of calendar again. And they say, oh, 2023 isn't it for us. But my other point with that is this team is shouldn't be allowed to do that. They should be they should be forced to go for it. Um, don't mortgage the future by trading for, you know, overpaying for a rental arm. But this team should make the playoffs. This is a terrible NL Central. It's a terrible division. It's not as bad as the AL Central, but it is a awful division. You cannot be the St. Louis Cardinals with this lineup, one of the top five lineups in baseball, top to bottom in my opinion. You cannot be this team and just say, well, we're a few games under 500, so I guess that's it for 2023. Let's rebuild. Let's sell off the, uh, the, the pieces that we have on short-term deals. Shouldn't be allowed. Cardinals fans might want to see it because they can see the writing on the wall that maybe this season isn't going to be it. I'm already seeing the comment from Seabolk who says this season's a lost cause. Focus on 24. I don't think they should be allowed to do that. I'm surprised that I see Cardinals fans so willing to kind of let them off the hook for it. No, I don't think that should be allowed. This team should make the playoffs. It's too wide open in the NL Central for this team with a Paul Goldschmidt and an Arenado and other guy Wilson Contreras and other guys that are contributing the way that, that a large new bar is and a Tommy Edmond is and a Paul the Young coming out of nowhere to have this kind of season. Give me a break with 2024. There are no excuses for why this Cardinals team can't figure it out. Yes, it's a strategic mistake how Mozeliak handled the pitching. Fix it or retire. Like pick a pick a path. Cannot continue to sit on their hands. I know that Mozeliak is is probably out the door by 2025. I. You can't go lame duck status on this thing. You got to be aggressive in trying to fix it. And I'm not implying that he's not working every day to make that happen and to try to figure out a solution. Uh, but there's trying and there's doing. And at this point, I do believe it's incumbent upon the front office to fix the mess that they're in. And they put themselves in this mess by believing in a rotation, by backing the wrong horse, essentially, when it comes to the starting rotation. And yeah, the mass contract is looking like one that they wish they had back. But again, that comes from a situation that two days before the lockout, they say we better sign this guy because we know we need to fill a spot in our rotation and we don't want to live with the uncertainty of when the lockout is going to end 
and, and swim in those waters because they could be scary. Sometimes the Cardinals, if they had been willing to do something a little more scary, um, they might not have ended up with the, the like, granted, less expensive contract for Matts. It's not a super expensive contract relative to the kinds of deals you can sign somebody for in free agency, but it's always low upside with the perception of a high floor, and then the floor ends up bottoming out on you, and it's not a high floor. Those are the kinds of contracts. Mike Leake is an example. We're seeing it now with Steven Matz. You can make a case that although Fowler had some good years with the Cardinals, Dexter Fowler contract was a similar circumstance. These deals that they think, well, the relief pitchers, Brett Cecil, Andrew Miller, a lot of those those contracts were like, well, it's not the most expensive one we could sign, but we're going to spend in the middle range. We're going to, you know, we're going to get that midsize sedan because we think it's going to be economical and it's going to, it's, it's not going to bottom out on us. Greg Holland was another guy that they said, well, we're not going to pay for the big guy in the off season, but now we feel we need this closer. So let's get him. Those deals were all bad deals. Uh, Andrew Miller at least finished out his contract and actually kicked in with uh, an appearance clause, the ability to add one more year onto it. So he was competent before what they paid. It was like, all right, this was probably an overpay. That, brand of contract has burned the Cardinals over and over and over again. And it's, it's kind of happening right now with Steven Matz. I know it's not over yet, um, but a lot of Cardinals fans kind of wish that it were. And so I think that tells you about uh, the status of the deal right now. But the thing about that is it comes from a place of fear. The Cardinals do not operate well on the fly in an uncomfortable situations under John Mosellock. And so what do they say? This lockout's coming. We need the certainty of getting Steven Matz that way, we don't have to worry about what the fallout of the lockout would be. Other executives might say, this is going to be an, uh, you know, a, a tumultuous time. This could be a little weird for us. It's going to be kind of fun, though, when we get to the other side of it, right? And we can, we can play it on the fly. We can adjust. We can be nimble in the market. The Cardinals aren't nimble in the market. They are not nimble in the market. They never really have been. Um, they make a lot of good deals. Arnado deal was great. Goldsmith deal was great. These other kind of mid-class deals where you need a little bit of creativity to get them done. That has been a sore spot for the Cardinals in recent years under John Mosellock. I don't think there's any other way, um, any other way to put it. And you could point to some good ones. I'm sure that are in that same class and say, those have worked out, but it seems like every time the league knows the Cardinals have a need, it's like they end up with just the, the worst possible scenario. They go get somebody that's not the most expensive but the value they end up getting from that guy is not great. And hopefully that's not what happens with Wilson Contreras. Um, but it so far, it's kind of been that way when you look at the factor of they needed a catcher, everybody knew it, trade partners took advantage of that. The Cardinals said, screw you guys, we're going home, and we're going to play it with a free agency move on, on Wilson Contreras. And like he could still end up being really good. But when you box yourself into those situations willingly because you feel it's a safer option, that can co- come back to catch up on you. And I, I think... Over the course of time, it's what's happened to the Cardinals. That's kind of my thought on it. Um, Asher says, may as well offload everyone. Feel the good roster for 24. This season is busted. Again, I just don't agree with that. I don't agree with allowing that. Alex says, why are we running a six-man rotation with only three decent starters? It's a good question. I mean, when they said that 19 games in 19 days, this is what the Cardinals need to do to be able to get through this stretch. It sounds good in theory, and then you look at it and go, but doesn't that mean you have fewer relievers because you've got to be capped at 13 pitchers? And for a team that can't get their starters into the sixth inning like ever, is that really such a good idea? It was so predictable to have gone this way, and yet it's still at every turn almost 
taken the worst possible route to where the Cardinals are right now. Caleb says Libby starting Friday pushes Flaherty and the rotation back. Seems Matt's is probably out of the rotation for now. I, I mean, no, Libertor could be out of the rotation for now, and they could they could have Matt's pitch in six days. Like that's what they could still do. Um, Libertor makes one spot start, and then it's not a six man rotation anymore, and Libby goes back to Memphis on Saturday morning. That is a possibility. Or he pitches well, and yes, Caleb, then Matt's should be out of the rotation. Will they pull the trigger on that? I don't know, but I think they will. I, I know people doubt that they'll do it. If if Libby has a good start, there's no way they they take him out and put Matt's back in. There'd be rioting in the streets. Um, you can't do it. So if, if Libby has even a, a solid outing, I don't know what solid would be, five innings, five and a third, two runs, even if it's like five and two-thirds and three. That's like the ceiling for Matt's, so you might as well just, just keep running Libby out there at that point. I think if Libby does enough, there is a, a level to which he can pitch, and it's not just maybe the box score, but the way he looks and the way he attacks, they're going to be watching that, I feel. And um, if it goes as, as well as it needs to, I think they'll make the move, and, and they will send Matt's to the bullpen. Um, maybe I'm having too much faith in them to make what appears to be the obvious and correct decision, but that's where I am at this point that I believe as long as they see what they need to from Libby on Friday, that's what they'll do. But Asher, you're right that any momentum they've gotten has been killed almost immediately by the rotation. It's been rough. Um, Allison, what's going on? I'm not I'm not getting involved in Stinky Steve. I'm, I'm scrolling down to Brock. Uh, 18 hits to a lineup that's worse than Memphis. I mean, this Cardinals pitching staff just got blasted today by dudes named Stuart Fairchild and Spencer Steer. I mean, you got to be kidding me with this. Newman from Seinfeld. Like, you got to be joking with some of the, <laughs> the guys that, that that wrecked the Cardinals pitching staff today. Um, this Maley character, he's actually got some decent numbers. Uh, India is a good hitter. This McLean guy, Matt McLean, has come on strong and looks like he might be a player for them. Uh, Tyler Stevenson was a, a regarded prospect but has not had good numbers this year. Kind of similar with Senzel, who's was once a regarded prospect. But, like, the, some of the guys that were killing the Cardinals today, you can't give up 18 hits to this lineup. It's just... I mean, I don't care what ballpark you're playing in. Yeah, that's something that you need to be you need to be calling out as as rough. Uh, grace enough to watch the game in person tonight. Dark Lord Chalupa, uh, sorry to hear that, buddy. Uh, Asher still thinks they're a lost cause. Mo needs to resign. He's ruining the fran- running the franchise into the dust. Um, I don't think Mo will resign, but I've told you, and because this comment came up, I'm going to repeat it. 2025 is when his contract ends. He won't still be the president of baseball operations at the conclusion of that contract. He will have already handed the reins over and it will be a transition period to whom I don't know, but I'm telling you my prediction is that he's not just going to be in charge for as long as people think he's going to be. This is a transition period and it's a season like this. If it continues in the way that it's going, absolutely can be one that expedites that transition. Because think about it. If Mo is the chief decision maker over this, and he says, well, I've got ways that I think I want to fix this, but it involves kind of a two- to three-year plan. He's not going to be in charge of the team at the end of that plan, and so is it entirely fair for him to make the bulk of those decisions? No, you've got to start delegating and allowing other people to have uh, an increased level of input, and that means Mike Gersh. That means Randy Flores. That means you know others in the front office. It's going to happen as time goes on. It's not just going to be a sudden shift that happens at the end of his current contract. So I, I really do believe that that's something that um, keep in mind, guys. When you say, "Well, Mo should retire and resign," whatever, he will. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm not. It's not like I'm 
it's it's going to occur. So I, maybe not in the timeline you're looking for. Um, and I and I do think Mo is a good executive that can find the the team's way out of this. But he's got to get going. He's got to get going soon, man. And he's got to treat it like with a willingness that he may not be around to see it through, but he can't allow that to change the way he goes about things, if that makes sense. Like, understand that to put the organization in the best position it can be, you've got to continue to to, to maintain the process that you believe is most successful, regardless of kind of what that immediate timeline looks like versus a five-year timeline, et cetera. Looking here still into the comments. Um, scrolling down a little bit. Apologies for the delay there. Kenneth wants to see Mats go to the pen. Andrew says that for three years now, we've pointed to the Cardinals going into a season with a bad rotation. Their arrogance is disgusting as a fan. It's clear they don't care about winning. I think that's just a reactionary fan take. Like, you guys hopefully know that by now, I, I try to call it pretty down the middle. If I think the team is, is BSing on something, I'll tell you, I don't buy that. Don't buy that narrative. But if you as a fan are just kind of giving me some fan narrative, I'll tell you that. They, the, to say they don't care about winning is silly. They're not going out there intentionally trying to lose. Them not being effective at their jobs right now is is apparent. You know, that's that's truthful, and it's what's happening. But that doesn't mean that they don't want to win. I just don't understand that comment. I guess I understand it because you're frustrated, but it's not reality. Corn, uh, this is interesting. You say it's frustrating that they haven't paid for pitching. I almost disagree with that. Look at their rotation. Montgomery making 10 mil. Flaherty making multiple million in his final year of ARP. Wayno's making 17 and a half mil. Matt's 11 million per year. They signed a free agent to a contract. Uh, Michaelis, two-year extension after this year for like $16 million a year. They're only paying their starting pitchers. That's the problem. They're not developing any of them, and so they have to keep paying for them. And your point is, why don't they pay more for them so they can get an actual good one? And that's fair, but the actual good ones, if they sign one of those guys and he blows his arm out, that's how you have a rebuild, like a multi-year rebuild. Is sign too many of those guys. Pitchers, man, they get hurt. They get hurt. They get hurt. That's why you have to be good at an organization as an organization at developing them. And the Cardinals are at a point where they're not. They haven't done it in years, and it's killing them right now because the answer cannot just be go get another free agent every time because this team doesn't like to spend big, and when they do spend on the guys they're going to spend on, the hit rate's going to be a lot lower. Granted, the hit rate on the expensive guys has to be 100% or you end up really setting back your franchise when you know that there is an upper limit of what ownership is going to be willing to spend. They should always spend more, but realistically, there's an upper limit to what they're going to do. We literally have somebody now named Stinky Steve in the chat. I'm great at deflating the offense after the first. Thanks for that. I do like the cat picture, but um, the Stinky Steve stuff is not something I'm buying into. Mats does not miss bats. That is true, but Corn mentions that nobody misses bats, which is also true. Um, if you're going to pay, pay for talented players. Yeah, I mean, they paid $11 million a year to Mats. It was it was the kind of mid-level contract that they thought they could get away with because it was safe. But when the bottom drops out on that deal, yes, you're not out $200 million, and so that's nice. You're only out you know close to 50 mil, which is a plus, but you're still not resolving the, the holes that are in your rotation. And that's the problem. Are they going to blame Wilson? They damn well better not, Allison. <laughs> it's not a Contreras thing, and it never was. Alex, what's going on? Appreciate you for being here. Matt's has not been the same since on bereavement. Um, I, Gosh, I have no idea 
what what to do with that. I'm I'm not going to try to get into anything personal or, or aspects of that. So I, I I don't know that that's necessarily um, that there's necessarily any anything related to that. But I realized that at one point he did go on a bereavement leave. Um, but I don't really have anything to add to that, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of Matt's hate in the comments. It doesn't surprise me. They got to stop shopping from the bargain bin when it comes to starting pitching pony up again. I think it would, it's high risk, high reward. When you do it that way, um, the risk is if you spend 30 million a year on a pitcher that gets hurt or sucks, just like anybody else, it's the same result to the rotation, but your payroll is now squeezed in a way that's going to impact spending on the rest of the team. And so that's why he hasn't ponied up. It's not always go. I'm surprised I'm seeing everybody say pony up on pitching. Figure out a way to develop pitching and stop yanking around your guys like Libertor that could be the next one that you don't have to pay. The best teams are going to have some guys making 700000 in their rotation, and that's how they can afford to make sure the whole roster is sound and there aren't holes within it. That's sort of the issue. I'm seeing a lot of message retracteds going on right now. I don't know if people are getting a conscience or if they just uh, needed to, to update their, their typos or whatever. Michael says, any starter not going sixth this uh, innings by this late in the season is a problem. I agree with that. Ten runs to the Reds is a problem. And they just kind of had to let Henesis Cabrera wear it a little bit, right? Like, at that point, you're down by as much as you're down by. You just got to do it. And so he had to be the guy, um, unfortunately for him. And it wasn't his night to pitch well. He didn't have it. Corn says that he loves Wilson, and he's glad he's here. But you could argue they could have just stuck with kids and spent $80 million on a pitcher instead. It's like they're scared of paying the wrong pitcher too much. Yeah, they're scared of that, and they're scared of what happens when the guy gets hurt. Um, but, like, I don't know what pitcher was out there for $80 million. And then, realistically, I know right now it's obvious Matt shouldn't be in the rotation. But going back to February and January, if you sign that pitcher, first of all, you got to get that guy to agree to sign here. And if he looks at the rotation and he's an $80 million arm, that doesn't mean he's, like, a $200 million arm. And so he's kind of thinking – do you have a spot for me? Like, am I guaranteed to start on this team? Because the Cardinals are paying every single guy in their rotation. They needed to have cleared some of them out via trade if they were going to truly sign somebody. And that's complicated. Mo does not work nimbly in those markets. That's the reality. And so they didn't do anything. Um, Andrew, is. am I saying the entire rotation is a problem? Yes. You say we knew it was, but the Cardinals refusing to pay for an actual rotation. They don't care about winning. Spend your money somewhere else, folks. Um, again, I think they need to develop pitchers rather than pay for them. Um, and, and if they can figure out a way to get back to that sort of development, the Cardinals will be back on track. But until they can, you're going to be chasing it. You're going to be chasing it, chasing it. Or trade for somebody where you give up real assets and you get a Dylan Cease, and then you can sign him and spend the money on him. Um, but you've got you've to find another way. You can't just continue shopping for you know the $10 million a year guy in free agency and expecting it to work out. Because a lot of times when you pay that guy 10 or 11 million in free agency, there's a reason he's making 10 or 11 instead of 20 or 25 or 30. He's got, you know, there are some questions about that guy. So, and not to say that, you know, there wasn't some good things about Matt's coming in, but there's a reason with some durability and some different things from his career that he wasn't making the 20, 25 million of a guy who you might feel a little bit better about being more of a guarantee to thrive when you get him. Greg says, to be clear, pitchers have to pitch, but of all these things, including the Contreras mess, doesn't look good for Dusty Blake. It doesn't. I'm going to be honest with you. It does not. Um, but that's the Cardinals as a whole. 
because their entire pitching plan seems to be going uh, awry here. They didn't anticipate the pitch clock would have the impact that it would. You can tell me that they they did because in, in spring they said we need to miss more bats, so they knew there was an issue there that could potentially be looming, but I don't know if they realized the full extent of what the pitch clock and the, the no-shift ban and all of these things would do to their type of rotation. They don't miss bats, dude. They don't miss bats, and it's all catching up to them now. And evidently, one off-season or one spring training of, hey, guys, try to miss more bats wasn't a, uh, a satisfactory way to to go about changing organizational philosophy over the course of years. And they've been doing other things. That's an over-minimalization of it. But I, it's the way it looks on the surface when the results are what they are and sort of the, the way they have typically pitched to contact in past years has been. Um, a lot of things changed at once this offseason. Dusty Blake is one of them. And as a team, as an organization, they have not adapted appropriately to be able to manage all of those things and get out on the other side of it with success. That's where they are. But it's a good point, uh, Greg, that it doesn't look great for Dusty. I think Dusty's a sharp guy, but something does have to happen here where you get more out of the guys than you're getting here. Um, yeah, Alex says six-man rotation, only three season starters. That is, uh, that's a reality right now. Um <clears throat> Andrew is now taking shots at Jim Hayes, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, I don't really even understand. You say the rights holders will call the police on me for daring to criticize the Cardinals. The Car There's a lot to criticize about the Cardinals right now. And I think Jim Hayes would say it just as soon as anybody else, as Alec uh, rightly mentions there. Um, so that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, like, it's, it's really easy to say that. I don't understand it. People look at certain people in the media and they go, that person is a, is a homer, or that person is just a water carrier. And it's like, do you read their articles? Do you listen to their radio show? Do you do this? Do you? No. You guys have, you guys have a misunderstanding of, uh, of Jim. Um, Einstein says, Matt simply isn't the guy they signed two years back. Sinker velo down, which he's still throwing 94, 95 on the fastball. So I don't mind the, the velo on the fastball. Um, the curveball today dropped seven whole less inches than it used to. It's not sharp. The breaking stuff is not sharp. Um, the, the changeup is good shape wise, but they know when he's throwing it. Yeah, it's getting tipped. And uh, again, that's not a reason to me to say, hey, go give him another opportunity because once they fix the pitch tipping, everything's gravy. No, give me a break. Um, and uh, a lot of, lot of talk about hot take central. Um, here's the thing that guys maybe don't understand. And I, and I hate to like get too much into somebody else's business because um, what y'all are saying about Jim is inaccurate, but like, the role of Jim is to, yeah, he's interviewing and interacting with these players on a daily basis. And, yeah, Bally is, you know, a, an arm of the the Cardinals, and the Cardinals have an ownership stake in the station. And so that's what it's called to be a rights holder. But give me a break with the stuff where he's not going to say his mind or criticize with these things. He's going to be respectful. He's not going to do what you're going to do on, on a screen on Twitter or on YouTube and say, Stinky Steve. He's not going to do that because he's got humanity and he's going to be realistic about the fact that these are still human beings at the end of the day. And the people that go in there and, and are actually talking to these guys on a regular basis are going to have a different perspective in that. And so nobody wants to hear that. It's just me on my soapbox is what you guys think. I'm just going to level with you. And hopefully you guys can recognize me at this point as somebody who does level with you. That's the reality of it. And you can't understand it if you're not in that situation. Um, but go off, say what you want to say about, you know, rights holders and all this stuff. It's not reality. But I understand the, the frustration, but direct your frustration at the team, not the people that are, you know, 
doing their jobs in, in different versions of media that, that they have. You want to criticize the team. I think that's realistic, and there's a lot of things you can do without directing your ire at people in the media. That's It's it's lame to me, but I get why people do it. Um, and, and Jim talks all the time about how they should have gotten a left-handed bat in the offseason, address the pitching issues. Yeah, it. thank you, Alec, for kind of chiming in with the comments there because I don't want to linger on that conversation too much further, but uh, good point. Rhino, what's going on? I know I messaged you on Twitter, but I had to say it again. I see Matt's getting traded in the offseason for peanuts. Yeah, uh, Rhino mentioned to me in a, a message earlier today, his thought process was that this feels like the Mike Leak deal when eventually when they traded Mike Leak, it was just to make him go away and they didn't really get anything in return for him. I don't even remember the name of the prospect or whoever if they got one um, off the top of my head, but that's kind of what could happen with Matt's to clear a spot. And I guess they figured they believed in him coming into this year because last year you could chalk up the the season as lost due to injury. And so they viewed it and said, well, we're not going to give up on Steven Matz yet. We've invested. We don't want to just cut bait and, and basically be on the hook for all that money. Um, but at this point, if he struggles the rest of the way, yeah, I could see a trade in the offseason where it's just like, we'll we'll eat the contract, but we got to get this guy off the 40-man roster. If it, if it devolves into that after two years for Steven Matz, uh, it ends up being one of the worst contracts of the Mosaic era. We'll see if that ends up happening, but that was the prediction from Rhino, who chimes in here. Uh, Einstein doesn't have that much angst for a team that's 6-4 and four in their last 10. Cracks are showing, and the long road trip exacerbates it. Yeah, man, it always feels worse on the road when teams lose um, because I don't know why it does. It just does feel that way. And it's a good point that they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, and they've made strides, but they're losing now to the Reds, which makes it feel extra bad because it's a bad team. And the reason they're losing is because the starting pitching is letting them down. And that's been something that's happened the entire time, even during the winning streak. Like, there is no accurate narrative that would say the starting pitching has turned it around at really any point. You've gotten sporadically better outings from guys like Michaelis and Flaherty had a really good one here and there. But as a rotation, they have never turned a corner. It's never lasted longer than two or three days in a row. And that's why I think it's worth being a little concerned about like people are tonight because the cracks of the rotation have been there the entire time, we shouldn't only notice them when the team loses, right? You should you should notice them when they win, too. And uh, in this stretch, they've been winning a little better, but but that has been uh, <clears throat> but that has been the situation. Sorry, I clicked the wrong thing. Lost you guys for a second. My bad. My bad. Andrew says, why would anyone want to trade for a pitcher making $11 million when he's not any good? Um, the, when the Cardinals actually spend, they spend on bad players. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of talked about that, that they've kind of spent into this bargain bin where they think it's a safer acquisition, less risk ultimately, but it, it's kind of burned them in the long run because the bottom can fall out on those contracts just the same, and you feel like the sunk cost fallacy is eating at you because you don't want to give up on somebody that quick because, well, you spent on him, you paid for it, but it, it ends up being a situation where just as well as you would in a $100 million contract, you might have to eat that money at some point. And that's a hard thing for a team to do. No question about that. One second, guys. All right, we'll get back into the comments here. Checking things out with Scott's comment. It was definitely interesting, he says. Uh, the post game, listening to them talk about the trend in Major League Baseball of starters going less innings made you feel a little better. That's true. And it's it's not like you're seeing teams around the game just going seven every time, right? Like that's that's reality, that it's less than it used to be. But I don't think that makes up for it for this Cardinals team. Like, they ultimately need to get these guys going deeper. 
because it does strain your bullpen, and I don't think it's sustainable with the bullpen they've got built. They don't have a bullpen that they built to be like that modern bullpen where everybody can go multiple innings and they, they've got enough guys and the depth and it's fine. Like they've got guys that'll do that, but it's not ideal to ask them to do it every single time they pitch and to do it three times a week. So I understand. And, and Scott, I didn't even see that on the post game, but I recognize that it's real and that teams around baseball have guys going uh, less deep. And, I, and maybe I'm wrong about this, that maybe the Cardinals actually are ranking better than I thought in terms of how deep their starters are going. I haven't seen the numbers on it updated. I don't anticipate that I'm wrong on it, though. I, I think it's going to be a case where uh, the Cardinals are probably toward the bottom of the list in terms of what they're getting from their rotation. And actually, that shouldn't be a very difficult thing for me to look up if my internet and my... Uh, it's not even an old laptop, guys, is the problem. But it's just kind of a... I went cheap. I cheaped out. I literally bought the Cardinal starting pitcher equivalent of a laptop because I think I spent like 500 bucks on it, but it was like that was straining the upper end of the budget that I wanted to spend. And it was like, well, if it ends up being crap, at least I didn't spend that much on it. But it's still $500, right? And if you're using it and you want to get multiple years of use out of it, eventually the thing starts to break down a little bit. And you think it's not that old. I spent decent enough money on this. Why am I not getting more value out of it? Well, you get what you pay for is <laughs> maybe the reality of that. But I want to check this out here because I should be able to sort this on the MLB site by um, by starter versus reliever and see how many innings the Cardinals have actually been getting out of their guys. And if I can do a little bit of quick magic here, there might even be a chance that I can show you guys what I'm looking at. But again, if you guys are longtime watchers of the stream, you know one thing about me, and it's that I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to technology. I don't have the slightest clue what I'm doing, and I may have just already messed it up. Come on. Help me out here. Oh, didn't need that up there. All the extensions. Come on. See, you guys are watching me live try to figure this out because I'm that bad at tech. Yeah, they're not going to let me do it. Well, actually, they will. Innings pitched by starters is what we're looking at here. Let's scroll down and find the Cardinals. 10th in baseball. 10th in baseball. I got to say, that's one that surprises me. Innings pitched by starters, 10th in baseball. It really does surprise me. I don't know what to make of it, to be totally real with you. Um, that's from the starting rotation. Now, 51 games. The Cardinals have played more games than everybody but the White Sox within that uh, top 10. And then you look behind them. Most teams have played fewer games than the Cardinals. So really, I would say that stat puts them about in the middle, somewhere in the middle of Major League Baseball and starters innings. Um, but it's again, it's a little difficult to parse out specifically. I could really do some more math and figure it out on a per-game basis. But because of the fact that uh, I'm on a live stream here and I'm not going to be trying to do math live, we'll just stick with saying like it's maybe not as bad as I thought it was or as bad as it feels, but right now, I mean, you're getting four or five innings a game out of these starters most nights, and I don't care what the trend of Major League Baseball is. That just is not something that is going to be sustainable on a on a regular basis. Uh, thank you guys for watching the stream. Make sure to get the likes going. We need a couple more likes to get to 30, um, but let's, let's not stop there. Let's go to 40 if we can. And uh, we're already over an hour here, so I want to try to roll through some of these comments that I have not gotten to um as good as i can einstein actually thinks the nickname could help steven matz 
Um, imagine the puns about how filthy his stuff is. Don't underestimate the power of nicknames. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Brandon says, dude is trash, and I usually try not to bash guys and be mean like that, but even I'm losing patience. Uh, an effort like that from the starting pitcher was unacceptable. And it was. It was unacceptable. But I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna not make it personal on that. Um but but the outing was unacceptable and it should inspire change from the Cardinals. I believe that is true. Whether it will or not, I don't know. Uh feels like Goldie and Arenado for the most part are never in sync. One is doing great, the other is struggling. Arenado had a bad game today. Maybe his worst game of the year. Um defensively was off, at the plate was off, swinging at stuff way off the plate. Kind of crazy, honestly. Um, yeah. Uh, but Dark Lord Chalupa makes the case that uh, how many people would take the Cardinals' approach to your future at their own workplace? Um, my guess is not very many. So uh, there's some food for thought. Uh, Matt's was a very poor signing. Cardinals didn't need a number four or number five. They needed a one or two, and now they have this guy for three years. It, or he says, and they have for three years needed a number one or two. That's a good point, Dennis. Yeah, they went the safe route, or what they perceived as the safe route to fill a back-end role in the rotation uh, hoping that he could develop into a number two or number three if he maintained his consistency as as he had like an ERA in the threes with Toronto the previous year. So it was conceivable that he could have done that. But yeah, like the fact that they have continued to go after threes and fours and fives and make a full rotation out of those guys, minus what they thought Flaherty could be and he just hasn't turned into, um, you, you get what you go after. Like they have built this rotation. Nobody should be surprised at the way that it looks. Um, I don't care that I don't have enough free space in my OneDrive. Don't give me that. I'm doing a live stream. See what I mean? See what I mean about the laptop, guys? It's crazy. Give me a second here. All right, we're back. Okie doke. Back into the comments we go. Let's see if we've got anything new. Any new thoughts that we have not touched on? Ryan's late, but did you see Denton's tweet about Marmol evaluating starters? So maybe Libby back to the pen. Ryan, but then Denton tweeted again that he's going to be in the rotation. So I think that's the final ruling unless there's been more tweets since I've started the live stream. Corn, um, Andrew is not trolling. Andrew is angry. Um, and I get the anger, but at a certain point, you know, I, I, I agree with some of what Andrew's saying. I don't agree with the spirit of it. Um, and I don't agree with the rights holder stuff at all. Yeah, like the attacking of different media guys is not something that I really uh, am going to get involved in because I think they all do a nice job. Mats will be in the rotation until the checks stop cashing. That's the new Cardinals way. Ryan, I don't think that's true, um, but it is true that they're going to try to make it work and maybe allow it to to go on for longer than it should based on the contract. But it's it's only $11 million a year, and that is basically what Andrew Miller made to be a reliever. And so... They thought at one point that was a good plan, so it wouldn't be like a complete loss to have him turn into a reliever. Um, it's certainly better than the alternative right now, which is to keep him in the rotation and have him continuing to struggle. How many good seasons has Matt's had? Two? Yeah, I mean, he's never put full seasons together, but a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, he just doesn't look like his – the curveball is not as sharp. His off-speed stuff is not as sharp. Um, and I think the velocity on the fastball is okay, but his location on it has been rough. He's, he's trying to throw his pitches up in the zone too much, and they're getting hit. Einstein says, used to feel a lot worse toward the FO, then became friends with some Orioles fans. <laughs> All about perspective, really. Yeah, but now their front office finally has things cooking. They finally have it going on over there. Robert chimes in, if we don't destroy everybody with our bats, we're not going to win many games. This rotation is what we're stuck with. It's the cards we were dealt with. We'll have to just put it up with it this season. Yep, 
the Cardinals have to outslug people. I can't tell you how many times I've said that this uh, this season on the radio, on this stream. It's the it's the reality of the situation. Uh, like the stream and subscribe to the YouTube channel, guys. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. And by doing so, you can join the comments section within 60 seconds. So appreciate that. And I got four new followers on Spotify yesterday. Be Shafe Daily is where you'll hear this conversation on Spotify tomorrow. Just an audio only, not a video version over there. But if you have not followed on Spotify, it helps me to, to have you do so, even if you don't listen on Spotify ever. If you have a Spotify and you could follow B-Shape Daily and give me a five-star review, you would be aces in my book. It really does help uh, brighten my day. Uh, Luke Libertor says, is there any history of a team having consistent success with a six-man rotation? You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Angels are using one because of Shohei. I think he goes on a six-man rotation um, because in Japan, you only pitch once a week, and so they've kind of kept him on that schedule um, to to try and make things work out for him. I But don't quote me on that. And you could say that they have not really been a successful team over the years, which is fair. Um, Cardinals won a ring in 11, which is sooner than 20 other teams by my count. NLCS win in 2013, which is sooner than most teams. And they did reach an NLCS in 2019, but uh, did not win a game there, which is unfortunate. Um, Dennis thinks they should not have signed Wainwright to the big money that they did this year. Maybe a contract with incentives. I'm actually fine with the Wainwright deal. Here's why you knew it was going to be his last year. It's the same as with Yachty last year where it's like, all right, he's not going to be worth this probably, but he's earned it over the course of time. It's not my money. Like, why are we protecting Bill DeWitt's money? It doesn't matter. Um, you're not going to haggle over money with Adam Wainwright on a last year legacy deal. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't know why people, you know, and I don't know what, any of y'all make it your jobs, but why people making like regular citizen salaries are worried about Adam Wainwright being overpaid. Who cares? He's given you a lot of uh, good memories over the years. I'm happy Wayno got his money. It doesn't make a difference uh, to, to really what the Cardinals were going to do in the grand scheme, whether they paid him 10 mil or 17 and a half. It is what it is. And honestly, he kind of was a good deal the last couple of years because two years in a row, he did that incentive based contract and he, he pitched beyond both of those contracts. And so this was kind of some comeuppance, I think. Although you could say that his big contract extension never really was a, a good deal for the Cardinals um, earlier in his career because of all the injuries. But no, I'm I'm not worried about Wainwright getting that money. I think it's silly to, to get hung up on that personally. But I know people are, so it's fine. Asher thinks nine games under by June 1st. Uh, clean house. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but you think I'm fooling myself by thinking it can be saved. And so that's fine. I do think they can still turn it around, but they'll they will quickly run out of time if they don't uh, if they don't get back toward 500 quicker. They can't lose series to the Reds. I'll tell you that tomorrow's an important one. They got to win it. Ask Mo if it was a mistake not signing a top starter, and I bet he'll talk in circles. Yeah, I mean he will talk in circles because he did on 101 ESPN last week when Brandon Kylie and company asked him um, about not addressing starter in the off season, and I'll explain to you what I mean by that in just a moment here after I take a quick drink. So what I mean by that is that when he did that interview, I think it was about a week ago, they asked about not pursuing starting pitching in the offseason, and he basically said, well, every we were engaged with some starters, but everybody we were going after ended up either pitching badly or getting hurt. So it ended up being fine, which is kind of a way of talking in circles because in January, when asked about their pursuit of a starter, he said, candidly, we weren't really involved in those markets. So which is it? Did you pursue or did you not? Yes, it's talking in circles a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt about that. 
<clears throat> Apologies there, guys. But, um, you know, Rodon is hurt, and he's right about that. Other guys that they might have looked for are hurt, but that's not an excuse that says, oh, well, that's fine. You're allowed to have a bad rotation. No problem. Like, you still are the executive in charge of making it good. So, uh, you know, Bassett, Ivaldi are two guys they could have gotten. Exactly right from Corn. Uh, let's see here. Allison asked if the theme of the whole season is going to be talking about pitching. I miss the other fun storylines. Yeah, the pitching thing's not going away if the rotation doesn't get better, Allison. It can be the thing that tanks this entire season. It can be. Um, because the offense, even though it didn't have a great day today, has come around. It's just going to be a matter of what are they ultimately going to get out of this rotation and can they fix it internally? I don't know. I don't know if they can turn it around. Uh, it's still early enough that they could, but like the track record is legitimate. At this point, it's not like it's just been a fluke that they've pitched bad. Um, they they have underperformed drastically in the rotation. Um, Andrew K asked about the Giants hogging the market. Small guys are left out. We needed pieces that juggernauts are taking. I mean, you pay a little more if you if you want those kinds of names. Pay a little more. Cardinals could have done that. Uh, Einstein says I've been kissing up enough in the chat. I'll say that they should be decisive when talking about who's starting. Can't be good for any starter when they don't know if they will start tomorrow or not. You nailed that, Einstein. The messaging has been poor, and a lot of times I like to side with the team on these things because, you know, they'll have an explanation for why it was this way, and they'll say, you know, it'll it'll sound plausible. But it's happened enough this year. Let me go over the number of explanations and messagings that have been poor from the team. First of all, this Libertor situation, six starter, has been a nightmare. Tyler O'Neill situation. Why is he playing center field? Doesn't make any sense. Nightmare. Um, what else have we got? Wilson Contreras is the big glaring one. Nightmare. I mean, there have been a bunch of them. There have been a bunch of them. And it's it's not even, you know, two months into the season. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think um, you can say, well, it's actually fine to have your sixth starter who you told is going to be a starter and he, now he's going to pitch in relief. That's actually a good thing, and here's why. You can spin anything you want. I'm finding myself less and less buying the spin right now from the Cardinals. Um, I think they're smart guys that are in charge of this stuff, but they are they're missing the mark on a lot of these the way they're they're presenting these decisions. And some of it is just transparency. Like Ali Marmel is a very transparent guy. So if behind the scenes they think it's gonna be one thing, he'll tell it. And then though if it changes, it looks like, well, now they don't know what they're doing. So I think the answer is really somewhere in between. Believe me, I'm not going to go as far as to defend the communication of this team this year because it has been poor. Um, but I will also say if they were 28 and 22 instead of, you know, 22 and 29 or whatever it is now, it would it would not feel as grave. But because of the record, it feels like every little thing is going to be more scrutinized. And a lot of the stuff they've come up with has been like, y'all, y'all do hear how this sounds, right? It doesn't sound great. And so that's been a reality of it to me. I think you're when fans overreact to some stuff, I don't think they've overreacted to how abysmal some of the the messaging and the, the presentation of certain decisions have been this year for the Cardinals. It's been kind of a disaster in a lot of ways. What does an Edmund trade look like? He's probably MVP. Great, Andrew, he's MVP. So don't trade him. I don't understand why you guys want to trade Tommy Edmund. Enough. Maybe they will, but I'm not I'm not trying to entertain that because he's one of their better players. Like, yes, it will take talent to get talent, and so Edmund could be involved if you're going to get a legit starting pitcher, but you might then trade him and regret it because Mason Wynn's not ready or Brendan Donovan's not going to hit as much as you, th- as you th- thought or hoped that he could. 
I mean, I, I just don't get it. You take one of the best players on the team. So, like, props to you guys for recognizing that he has trade value. But he also has value to the Cardinals. That's what makes him a MVP of this team. He's valuable. Don't trade him away. Don't. I mean, just the idea that you're trying to look for an, an Edmund trade doesn't make sense to me. If another team wants to give you an ace for him, that might just be the hard-nosed, you know, kind of deal the Cardinals need, a true baseball trade, because they've got a surplus one spot and they've got not enough in another. But, like, I, don't, I just, I'm not sitting here trying to, to drum up Tommy Edmund trades. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, uh something that helps the Cardinals. And if they end up getting a, an ace starting pitcher for him, then I'll I'll say yep, that was a trade that maybe needed to happen even though I think they're going to they're going to realize how much they're going to miss Tommy Edmonds production. But at the, at the at the time it is right now, man, I just I'm not de- I'm not doing it. I just don't see it personally. Still early, but uh throw extra hands at it, but he can figure something out. Long relief options should return. Um I don't know who the long relief options even are, though. I mean, you can't throw extra arms at this situation in the bullpen right now because there's nobody to send down. They don't have any Memphis shuttle guys in this bullpen. They're all kind of mainstays. You could send down Palante, but I think it'd be dumb. It was dumb the first time. So that's for me anyway. Speaking of relievers, how confident in a big game are you with Cabrera? To me, he's too inconsistent and is the lefty in the pen. Yeah, I mean, he's the best one they've got right now, Dennis. And uh, tonight wasn't a big game, so don't worry about his struggles tonight. Um, I almost say his focus is better in a close game situation than in a blowout. Um, but I think Steven Matz is going to be the other lefty in the pen soon, so then maybe maybe Matz can be your high-leverage lefty. What do you like about that? To me, their first lefty, though, is Palante as well because he's a righty who can pitch to lefty. So that's another thing to think about. <clears throat> Spencer said, I hope you saw last night in the live chat. When I said I had a bad feeling about Matt's was going to get rocked tonight, I did. I think I mentioned it, too. And, um, yeah, that was something that uh, that definitely happened. You're worried about the audio being a little quiet. Um, I'll pump it up a little bit. I know I'm, I'm seeing a lot of these comments on delay, and so it's not always going to be perfect. But um, turn the volume up a little bit if you can. I apologize for that. I cannot get it right for everybody. Um, and it's also going to depend on headphones or you're on your laptop, you're on your phone. It's a lot of stuff like that. But I am sorry, Spencer. I do want to make it better, so I appreciate you letting me know. Austin says, I feel like a sell-off and a buy-in for starters both need to happen. Maybe it means selling a Jack in a Montgomery to gain young talent, but also open some spots for new starters that need to be traded for. Austin, I agree, my friend, and I think it needed to happen in December. Like, I was calling for that on B-Shape Daily in December, and they didn't do it. So I I don't trust that Mosellac is going to be able to accomplish it on the fly midseason. And at this point, I don't know if it even works to do it that way because what is the value of Montgomery and Flaherty right now? Those are questions that would need to be answered too. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brian is glad to see them back in April form. I don't think he means that unless he's a Cub fan. Uh, Einstein says the unfortunate reality is that Matt's is going to get 30 starts this year barring injury. I don't agree with that at all. I think they will pull him at a certain point. 
Ethan says glass half full. Matt says decent numbers against lefties and can obviously cover multiple innings. So could be a nice addition to the pen. I agree. Yes, he's an overexpensive middle left-handed reliever, but he might be effective in the role if you give him a chance. Uh, Nick says we need Jeremy Hazelbaker. And then I lost the comment. It just went away for me because YouTube updated. Uh, so let me find that back. If I can, I'm going to. We're close. Uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker to come and save, save the season. That's what Nick said. It's funny you say that name. It's funny. I'm, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say is that it's funny you say that name. I issued a challenge once to the stream and nobody's come up with it yet. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Dark, Dark Lord Chalupa, Wayno was a sweetheart deal. It was, and it's fine. I think it's completely fine to do that. He deserved the deal. You're not going to haggle over money. It's fine. Uh, four more likes to get to 40. Appreciate you guys if you could help me get there. And uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, you can absolutely change my life by subscribing um, because we're hunting down 1K subscribers. And uh, the faster I get there, um, the, the more opportunity I have to make cool content for you guys. So help me out with that if you could, if you haven't so far. Kenneth says that Contreras needs an off day tomorrow. Hasn't gotten one in a while. He needs to get his mind right. Kenneth, you're right. And based on Ollie's comments after the game that they showed on Bally, he's going to be off tomorrow. Uh, he won't DH. He won't catch, if I had to guess. Um, Ryan says that the Wayno contract isn't correlated necessarily with his talent for this season. It's not, but that's okay. It's a sweetheart deal. It's a deal that they gave him because of what he's done in the past. And they thought he could be good this year, by the way. And I think he still can. But so far, it has not been what it needs to be. And he knows that, by the way. Adam Wainwright knows that. Uh, Ethan says, I get $44 million is better if the pitcher gets hurt to swallow than like $100 or $200 million. But Matt's is healthy and is hurting you. Yep, that sucks, Ethan. It's not what you want. It's not what you want, my friend. The Carpenter signing will save the team. Chris Carpenter coming out of retirement. But honestly, when you see, when he pulls up to the ballpark, he looks like he could still pitch. He does, man. I remember him playing catch with uh, with Wayno. I think it was uh, a couple spring trainings ago, and I was like, "Man, that guy! That guy looks like he's in peak athletic form still." Ryan says that most elite pitching staffs are developed, not five free agents. Agree with Brendan. Developing pitchers is more important than signing. Got to have it. You have to turn that around, and that's why I don't like them yanking around Libby this week with the Willie Woney. Will he relieve? Will he start? Enough. Put him in the rotation and let it go. You got to make some more decisive moves and stop second guessing everything you do. They they did it with Wilson Contreras. They did it with uh, who should be the center fielder. They're doing it constantly, and it's like those things pile onto one another, guys. It really does. Brian doesn't mind giving up the runs as long as the offense answered, puts pressure on them as well. But they didn't do that tonight. Yeah, they didn't really, and um, I kind of understand it. But at the same time, you're going to get 11 runs. I just don't think that's realistic to expect when you give up 10 you hold your l that's the way it works it's not the offense's fault at that point dsc comments raider asanio i guess we're 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 hunting for some old free agent pitchers to sign um allison appreciates the reminder that these are real people yep say what you want but if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face about their performance or whatever you know that's something that that you you got to try to remember i try to remember it too because i'll i'll be i'll be going face-to-face with these guys at some point. And I know I'm not under the impression that they're watching these videos talking about the team. They don't they don't have to watch these. But if I wouldn't say it to his face, I, I shouldn't say it. That's reality. Now, that doesn't mean I can't say, hey, Steven Matz, 
it looks like right now you're not somebody that is performing in this rotation, uh, you know, and, and ask him or talk about that, that's maybe a different factor. But you also got to recognize, too, after a start where a guy struggles, you're not just going to go, hey, you you clearly are terrible. What do you think about that? Like, that's, again, the human relations aspect of this is, I think, a lot of times lost on the YouTube comment section. But I get it. Uh, now Daniel Ponce de Leon will save the season. There you go, visual tedium. I like that. Um, Brendan, as a fan, would you rather have a team with good hitting and bad pitching or a team with bad hitting but good pitching? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think good pitching. I'd rather have the good pitching because you can you can adapt your offensive strategy to play small ball and do some of those things to try and manufacture runs. Um, if you're awful at pitching, like the, the Oakland A's are having the worst starting pitching season in like Major League history this year. Go look at their... Uh, their ERA plus or minus or whatever it is, it's abysmal. Um, you cannot overcome that. They're 10 and 40 for a reason. Their offense is not that bad. It's still bad, but it's not like historically bad. Their pitching is historically bad. I don't think you can overcome that. Um, and, and you're finding right now the Cardinals, I think, have a top five lineup when it's all said and done, and they're not overcoming the bad pitching that they have in their rotation either. So I think the answer has got to be I'd rather have good pitching uh, and, and deal with I'd have to learn to bunt as a team. I don't like the bunt. I don't think it's an effective move, but I'd have to learn it if uh, if I was going to say, yeah, give me the the good pitching, but the bad hitting, because you're going to have to manufacture runs if that's your if that's your game. So that's a, an interesting question, though. I like that one. Uh, Cooper Zerpe in a in high A going six no hit innings yesterday. Total G. That's fun. Yeah, maybe Zerpe is the guy that can paint out. Uh, hitting for regular season, pitching in postseason. Ryan, that's a fair point, but they're not going to get to the postseason in St. Louis without some pitching, so it makes it makes it interesting. Mr. Squires, I totally understand the frustration, he says, the pitching comments, but surely this offense has to give more consistently. We didn't even make it close. Bad pitching is hiding bad at-bats. They're taking some bad at-bats, but come on. This offense is top probably five or six in runs scored in Major League Baseball this year. They scored three today. But, I mean, they scored 16 against the Dodgers on Thursday. They had an, another 10 spot in that series. Um, they didn't score at all on, on Friday, which I get. But they scored like 6, 10, 16. Then they came into the Cincy series and scored 5. And then they scored 8 yesterday. Don't don't put too much on the offense. They're allowed a bad day every once in a while. When it becomes a trend, Mr. Squires, that's when I'm really going to probably uh, have more to say about that. But it's not a trend right now. Individuals in the lineup are taking bad at bats, though. That's true. Like at times, we're looking at this team today. Newpar, decent game. Uh, Goldie, you know, the guys at the bottom all got one hit. Eight hits, four walks. You'd like to see more from it. One for nine with runners in scoring position. You need more than that. Like Arenado took bad at bats today. He's having a weird week, man. He, he Again, I know people say he shouldn't have been ejected yesterday, and that may be true, but he's letting the emotions get the better of him at times, and he's he's starting to struggle again. So it's uh, he, he needs to kind of dial it in, but he knows that and he wants to be better and he puts a lot of pressure on himself. But um, yeah, I think some bad at bats are being taken. Do I think the Cardinals lost today at all because of the bats? No, I don't pin it on them at all. Um, not even one bit. Like they knew they were out of it. It's hard to perform when you know that you're out of it. I, I know that people don't like to hear that, but I think it's reality and human nature. I really do. There we go. 
Got to keep turning my stuff down. Uh, let's see here. Anthony adds that Arenado seems to be chasing a lot. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, Jake may have happened upon the name of my cat. It's not Hazel, though. You're close. You're very close. If you could come up with it, um, I'll have to explain the story. I don't think I've ever really told it fully publicly, and it is kind of funny um, when you think about it, but... Uh, let's see. What's your take on Ricky Horton? Don't quote me if it was him or someone else, but he was saying that Matts was blatantly tipping his changeup. Yeah, I, the, the word blatantly was mine. I used it in my tweet after listening to the radio broadcast and hearing Rick Horton say he's tipping his changeup with something he's doing in his delivery. I think he said he was bending lower in it, and I didn't see like vi- a video side-by-side of, of what that actually looks like for, uh, for Steven Matts, but... Yeah, Rick Horton basically, and evidently Brad Thompson said the same thing on the broadcast. They went out for a walk during that inning, and so BT was saying it on TV. Ricky was saying it on the radio, and it's like, that's a problem, Oath. I appreciate you bringing it up, but yes, definitely an issue. Um, Grave of Einstein says there's a Jeff Jones tweet saying the Cardinals had an off day Monday, played Wednesday, but they wanted Memorial Day ticket sales, so they asked to switch those dates. I don't even know what we're talking about. Uh, off topic, here was the question. The reason for the few off days in the last day of few days of May, uh, the beginning of June. Yeah, I don't know why two off days in a row, um, but Einstein says maybe Jeff explained it in a tweet. Um, they would have played, they would have had Memorial Day off, which is weird. Why would they, I mean, MLB, that's strange, but maybe that makes sense. It was going to be a Tuesday, Thursday, or a Tuesday, Wednesday series. They got MLB to switch it to Monday, Tuesday, so they could have the ticket sales for Monday's game, um, which makes sense if that's the explanation. Weird that MLB put them in that position to begin with, in my opinion. Uh, Grave of Einstein still banging the table for Connor Thomas for long relief, and I don't even disagree, but I don't have anybody that I want to send down. Um, I think Matt's deserves to be in the bullpen, and and he's not going to get DFA'd, so I, I'm not sending down Cabrera. I guess you could maybe after today. Um, because it'll be a few days before he can pitch anyway. But you don't want to give him up for 15 days based on one bad outing uh, when he'll only be out maybe for two days um, because of throwing two and a third. But, yeah, Connor Thomas, I would like to see him get a chance, but the next injury maybe would be the way to do that. Um, They're allowing 4.76 runs a game, which is 22nd, and scoring 5.16 runs a game, which is fifth in baseball. It's not the offense that's the problem. Darn tootin' it's not, Ryan. Great point. And Babe said my mother started throwing up when Matt's unraveled. Well, I hope your mother is is okay. I hate to see that for her. Um, I apologize. Anthony, my thoughts on Wayno are that I think he can still turn it around, that I wasn't surprised to see him struggle at Great American Ballpark. He even said that, that, that park is the devil's lair to him. He tried to overcome the mentality of that, but I figured he'd have kind of a rough-ish outing. I thought it would be like six innings, four runs. But, you know, it was a little bit worse than that. He pitches to contact, and so there was no way he was going to end up having a great outing at, at at that ballpark was kind of the way I thought with the way he's gone recently. But I'm not out on him, and I think you gave all those guys at the beginning of the year. Like, think about how many starts they've given Steven Matz, and they haven't pulled him. All right, you're going to pull Adam Wainwright after, what has he had, three, four, five starts? I just don't think it's realistic to, for a guy that has that kind of equity built up with the St. Louis Cardinals, say he's going to get needs to go to the bullpen all of a sudden. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be longer before that's going to be allowed. 
Uh, and, and again, I don't think he should. I think he's going to be able to get it done. Uh, three more likes to get to 40. Help me out with that. I think Wainwright is going to be able to become serviceable. Um, is he going to be the stud that he that he has been in the past? I'm growing a little skeptical of that, but I've said I'm not going to doubt him. And so I'm going to go to the end of the season on that. Um, I, I still will continue to believe that he turns it around. If that makes me a dumb, blind homer, then whatever. It is what it is. Uh, Allison wants to know a prediction for tomorrow. I think they'll win. I, I, I find myself saying that a lot lately, but Michaelis against Luke Weaver. Michaelis is the one starter that I feel decent about for the Cardinals right now. If he struggles, then, you know, it's a different story. But Luke Weaver has a six and a half ERA. The Cardinals should crush him. Um, it should be fine. Not Baker, not Jeremy. You guys are you guys are dancing around it though with this cat thing. <clears throat> you definitely are. The Cardinals should steal more, says Einstein. They got guys like Edmund who can run, but they only seem to run against guys who are known for giving up a lot of steals like Syndergaard and Jansen. Yes, I've been I've been banging the drum for that all season. They've been caught a few times, but like they seem to only start to get aggressive when they're already in an up situation. They don't want to do it when they're trailing. I say that's bogus. If you're trailing, push the envelope, take a shot, see what happens. The odds favor the runner in this season. Goldie's got seven stolen bases this year. He's already got as many as he did last year. And he's not been thrown out on the bases uh, stealing since 2019, which is kind of crazy. But like as a team, the guys who are actually fast on this team should be doing it a lot more. I agree. At this point, sign Mad Bum for dirt cheap and give him a shot. What's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt? You saw what he gave up. You saw what he gave up to the Cardinals. Mad Bum is not the answer. He's he's going to be Steven Matz. I mean, that's that's the, the upside of a Mad Bum. He doesn't have it anymore. You can't go sign or trade for somebody who could just be as bad as the guys you already have. Trade for an ace or don't bother. Trade for an ace or bring up a guy from AAA. Like, those are the options to me. Any update on Zach Thompson? Looked good early in the year. Would prefer to see him as a starter, though. Just wondering what you've seen hurt. I haven't really seen a lot. Hurt a lot. I know he's in the rotation in Memphis, and they're looking to 2024 to try to get him as part of that conversation. But there's no reason he couldn't be a part of the starting conversation later this year if they end up needing a guy and he thrives. So I think that's fair, too. Do I address two starters at the deadline? No, because there's not two starters to take out of the rotation. That's the issue. Yes, you can now take out Steven Matz, but I'd like to see Libertor in there now. And so when they get Libertor in there and it doesn't go well, who is Philip? What are we doing with the cat's name Philip? You guys were on it with Jeremy Hazelbaker. The cat's name is literally Hazelbaker. Now, I'm telling you the answer. Let me know if you believe me that I have a cat named Hazelbaker before I explain. Do you think I'm lying or do you think this is legit? Because that is that is what I'm going to go with is that the cat's name is Hazelbaker. All one word just like the guy's last name. Let me know if you believe that, and then I'll explain. Uh, move match to the bullpen, says CJ. Not going deep into games and not giving them a chance. I agree with that. Um, and I'm asked for my honest thoughts on the O'Neill saga. Let me finish with Anthony's question about addressing two starters at the deadline. If Libby goes in the rotation for Mats and struggles, then they clearly need at least one starter. And then if there's an injury, then maybe you address two more. But when you're doing that, is it for guys who are under contract long-term that you're trading for, or is it just going to be for a short-term deal? You can't really trade for rentals if you're 10 games under 500 and out of the race. So it's going to depend a little bit, Anthony, on where they are and what type of need it is. If it's a, we just need one guy because we're kind of getting closer into the race, then it can be another J-Hap or another Quintana, that type of deal. Which, by the way, congrats to Johan Oviedo for throwing an immaculate inning 
yesterday. That's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, hard to trade for two starters if you don't have two spots to replace. Uh, we still have a good number of viewers in here, so I want to give one more reminder. Uh, please subscribe to this YouTube channel if you can do so. And I'd love to get a few more people over on Spotify as well. To be safe daily, you can go to Spotify and follow the show over there. Um, it's getting a little bit closer. We're well over an hour and a half, so I'll go quickly on the O'Neill thing, but it might be something to ask another day. Um, but on Tyler O'Neill's saga, I believe that the Cardinals gave him every opportunity when the season began to play center field, which is what he asked to do in spring training. He wanted to earn the center field job. They gave him a shot. He looked pretty good at the World Baseball Classic. They didn't see a ton of him in camp, but they gave him the shot. They said, hey, Tyler O'Neill in 2021 was a 900 OPS, was an MVP, top 10 finisher. If we can get that guy in this version of the Cardinals, we're going to be cooking with gas. So let's give this guy the confidence boost that he may need. Say, hey, you're the dude. You're the center fielder. Go out and be it. And then five games into the season, he, he had it was a perception from Ollie anyway that he was dogging it around third base. And he certainly was not running his fastest. I don't know if it was because he was dogging it or if it was because he was overthinking it, was worried about getting hurt. The, the reason doesn't matter. And the more I think about it, the more that's why Ollie just said, I've explained it to you. I don't know how many different ways I can put it. Everybody was looking to give Tyler O'Neill an out from that when the reality is it doesn't matter the reason he wasn't running like he needed to for a guy that the Cardinals had just given the world to. They said, you're the center fielder. You're the guy. Go be the guy. And five games into the season, he was already not being the guy. And did that maybe rattle his confidence after the fact? I don't know. It doesn't matter. you got to be able to play. This is the big leagues, man. That's the words of Tim McCarver. you got to be able to play. And they gave him every confidence boost early to be able to do it. And so when people say they threw him under the bus, I get it that Ollie called him out publicly. But I think the frustration is why Ollie did that, because he's thinking, we have given this dude everything. We've given him every chance to thrive here, and he's not given us the home. The, the perception as the manager is that he's not given us 100%. And so I think that's what the saga was early on. I think that O'Neill took exception to it because he views himself as a, as a hard-nosed guy, but the proof eventually is in the pudding with his play. And now in terms of hard-nosed, I'm not questioning his injury, but he's not out there, and he's basically got no timetable to return. And the Cardinals just have to move on. They have to mentally go, we don't know when this guy's coming back, and so let's play with the guys that we do have. And when he's going to tell us he can play, that's great. Maybe he'll have the chance to to be the guy that he was in 2021. But the the drama surrounding the Tyler O'Neill stuff is almost just too much at this point to make it worth the day-to-day -day investment if you're the Cardinals to be like, is he going to come back? Is he not going to? We don't know. We don't know. And it's if you're the Cardinals, you just got to mentally kind of check a box and move on and say, hey, anything you get from Tyler later on this year will be a bonus. But that's kind of the way I look at it. And, like, that sounds rather dismissive of Tyler. I think he could be a really good player. He's got a raw talent. And, and if he gets traded or something, wouldn't shock me a bit if he gets a, a streak of good health that he goes on a rampage. He could totally do that. He's a talented guy. But the Cardinals at this point, I think, are toward the end of their rope with him. And so that's my honest opinion on the saga. I couldn't be more plain than that. Uh, Thompson did not do well tonight, um, or last night, Luke says, giving up uh, five runs, four walks in uh, less than three innings. His ERA is 13. Yikes. Uh, but Gorman has a 14-game hitting streak per Kenneth, so that's good stuff there, too. Um, let's see here. Hazel Baker's middle name is not Philip, but the name of the cat really is Hazel Baker. And the reason for this is simple. Um, the cat 
joined our family in April of 2016 before I started covering the Cardinals. I was a Cardinals fan growing up, Cardinals fan in high school, Cardinals fan in my early days of, of college at Mizzou, and then I got an internship where I was able to start. Uh, I was working at a radio station at 590 in 2016. In like February of 2016 or so, I was going to I was covering Blues games, but I was never a big hockey guy growing up. So it didn't it wasn't like I was starstruck or anything. I was just like, oh cool, I can learn how to be a professional in a locker room and and handle myself. And then by the time I went to the Cardinals clubhouse, it was, it was like, oh, I, I know kind of what to expect, which was a nice uh, integration into that. But in April, Jeremy Hazelbaker was setting the world ablaze, and I never knew I was going to get to cover the St. Louis Cardinals. That was just like a, a pipe dream at that point even though a month later, that's what I was doing. So then it was like I got this kitten and named it after a guy that was on the team that I was now covering. Talk about a homer move. but I, And then like would interview and be able to talk to Jeremy Hazelbaker, and I was like, man, this is embarrassing. But honestly, the the and I never told him that or anything, but the reason that I thought it would be fun, first of all, Hazelbaker is a fun name, uh, kind of zany, right? And I thought this guy that's raking for the Cardinals right now is no offense to him. If he's listening, I was like, he's not going to be around long term. This is kind of like a bow heart situation, a flash in the pan. And it's just kind of a fun ride the vibe thing. So I was like, we're going to name our cat that. And my wife even knew that that was what I was going to suggest for the name. Just based on me talking about the Cardinals with her and like this Hazel Baker guy. And she just, I think she even guessed that that's what I said we should name the cat. And uh, that's what we did. So there you go. And it's a, it's a female cat. It's a, it's a girl cat, but um, she's a sweetheart. She went to the vet today. She's doing good. So that's the good news. Um, so there's my Hazelbaker story that I've never told. Uh, so that's fun. Corn says, pretty sure they talked about the changeup before on the broadcast, but he doesn't use it out of the pen. Um, talking about Thompson. Luke asks if Thompson has anything effective outside the fastball and the curve. Um, you know, his his arsenal could eventually dictate that he needs to be a reliever. I like that they're at least giving him the chance to start, though. That's what you should do with your first-round picks. <laughs> Let them start until they prove to you they cannot. Um, O'Neal, Yepes, Burleson would start for multiple lower-level uh, lower teams right now, and I agree with that, Ethan, but I also don't think those teams are trying to give up a bunch in terms of talent to get those guys on their teams. We'll see, though. Jesse, we need to cook. Says, I feel like this team is lost in terms of being World Series contenders. Can't fix the pitching issues this year. Yeah, it would need just like a uh, almost a Herculean turnaround by the starting rotation for them to end up in a spot where they could legit contend for a World Series. I agree with that. The offense is set that way to do it. And really, you only need about three starters to get you through, and you could go bullpen game for another start in the rotation uh, when you get into the playoffs. But like Flaherty turning into it again, Wainwright turning into it again, Montgomery turning into it again. It could happen, guys, but I don't know. It does feel like a long shot now, I'll admit. Uh, Corn says it would have been really cool if Jordan Walker took off early. Well, he did. He took off, but then he went down, and that's the way that went. Okay, guys, I tried to get uh, – Jake asked about a realistic package for a rotational outfield and a prospect for a pitcher to happen. I say no, it's not realistic. You, we could we could talk packages another day. We're going to get out of here soon. Um, but the rotational outfielders, teams are not desperate to get those guys on their team and give up good starters for those guys. So that's what makes it tough. It will take talent to give up talent. Any mock trade you're thinking of, I think it's going to cost more than you think it will to get the type of pitcher that's actually worth trading for. And Ethan, yes, Wayno is three wins away from 200. That is the number. All right, folks, I think I'm going to call it here. Somebody, I saw a Kevin Segrist mention. 
Dennis wondering if they're going to see the Dodgers ask about DeYoung or Edmund. You never do know. We got a lot more to get to in this Cardinal season, but in an hour 45 minutes, I'm calling it here. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, for watching, uh, for liking the stream. Get two more of you to do that so we can get to 40. And please subscribe. There's 62 of you in here. I end up with the live data that says, here's how many people are new subscribers. Here's how many people are non-subscribers. And about half of you, I think, still in here aren't subscribers. If all of you subscribe right now, it'll make my night on your way out. Do that for me. And that way you don't miss these videos in the future if you liked them. At bshaper12 on Twitter, anything you got to say to me, want to know, anything like that, let me know. Let me have your feedback. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily Live. Peace.